Welcome back to another episode of Open World Chat. Uh, I am Jim Dandino. We are joined, as always, by our illustrious and longtime host, John Odom. Long uh, and, and we are uh, joined today by George Marston of Games Radar. Uh, George Hello. was Games Radar's reporter on the NFT beat. Uh, covering all of the moves of the comic industry with regard to this new technology. And George's reporting was some of the best journalism on the subject that I saw out of any outlet anywhere. Um, well, so thank we you very much really, for saying that. We, you're very welcome. It was really, really outstanding work. Um, so when it sets um, the bar pretty high for you. <laughs> Try <laughs> to live up uh, to that now. <laughs> it, you'll, you'll. I, I have the utmost faith in you, especially coming off of my own personal reporting on Den of Geek, which was mostly just uh, snarky bullshit. So, <laughs> well, I've got so, plenty of that to go around. So, you know, anytime, <laughs> any snark you want to leave in here, you feel free. So, anyway, welcome to the short. <laughs> my second welcome language. to the show, George. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's good All to right. be here. So let's jump right into it. Um, what the hell is an NFT? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and while you're at it, you can tell us what fungible means because that baffles me too. Anyway. God, you know, I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> an NFT is basically what it really is, is a certificate, a digital certificate of ownership that proves based on certain kind criteria at what point the whatever it is that's tied to that NFT is owned by a certain person at a certain time. So an NFT could really be anything. It could be you know, the, the most common thing that we think of for it right now is art. We think of it in terms of visual art. Like there's a lot of digital art that gets turned into NFTs, digital statues and sculptures, that kind of thing. But there are NFT blockchains for literally anything. I saw one the other day that was an advertisement for NFTs attached to tungsten cubes, yeah. like one foot tungsten cubes that you can visit and technically you own it. Visit. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So it, technically what an NFT is, is it is a certificate of ownership that is verified by a blockchain, which means that it's been computed into a, oh man, I'm trying to think of the, 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 the easy, the simplest way to explain this. Okay. It's a receipt. It's a, yes, that's exactly what wow. it is. It's, it's a, a digital receipt stored in Excel, right? I, I yes, thought we were going less. to explain blockchain here. Yeah, uh, more or less. I mean, blockchain basically. So what a blockchain is, is it is a computing process that verifies the ownership of things based on multiple computers interacting with each other to verify the authenticity of a claim of ownership. And so that's where the, uh, that's where the issue of energy consumption comes in with an NFT uh, because essentially what the blockchain does is it, links multiple computers together, they all communicate and process a bunch of algorithms and assign a token to whatever object is being minted as an NFT, or in the case of, you know, mining cryptocurrency, um, they attach that serial number or certificate or receipt uh, to a uh, coin. And then the ownership of that coin is recorded in a log. And so essentially, as Jim said, NFT is a receipt and theoretically the idea is it's a receipt that can't be lost or can't be devalued. It can't theoretically be stolen or reproduced, but as we've learned from the current trend of NFT and its pitfalls, those ideals don't always really work out. Uh, (laughs) They're not as secure as they seem. Um, 
I think the biggest trouble with blockchain is that as we're experiencing right now, it's kind of hard to explain exactly what it is in a simple layman's terms. Um, I think essentially like the TLDR is that it is a system by which people keep records of their ownership of things that's verified by independent sources. So, so I mean, it's hard to, in my experience, it's hard to talk about NFTs without sounding like a Star Trek episode, right? Yes. Where you have, you have <laughs> 10 minutes of techno babble gibberish followed by somebody else yelling out, like somebody letting the air out of a balloon. Right. And then, and then, you know, it, but, it, and the metaphor isn't quite precise, but I think I'm just going to resign myself to the fact that that's how this is, this conversation is going to go. I think. Although, um, although you did very, very well, George. Oh, thank you. It made sense. And I mean, kind of to the extent right. it ever does. <laughs> and, you, know, right. you left it to me. I was, I was ready for all kinds of, you know, distributed three dimensional hash of hashes database. You know, I was gonna... <laughs> oh, I wish I could get into that. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't have that level of technical knowledge on it. My mind is all honestly, my, my understanding of it comes through my reporting. As Jim said, it's something that I've been keeping an eye on for Games Radar and for Newsarama specifically. And um, the also as part of the art community, you know, as an artist and a person who is a, a collector and appreciator of art, it's a very hot button topic. So, I mean, I think that's really the the, the thing that, that keeps coming up with blockchain. And I think probably a big part of what's driving this conversation, I imagine, is that it's being more and more incorporated into the culture on like comic books and geek culture and um, you know, any kind of niche uh, pop culture, like genre stuff has this NFT attached now. And it's starting to become a prevalent thing to the point where like, you know, David Lynch is doing NFT videos for Interpol and mm-hmm. it's what is happening, you know? <laughs> So it, the thing that I've tried to understand with blockchain and NFT is what is it used for? Who is using it? And why are they using it as opposed to any other method of owning art? Mm-hmm. Because you can own art and you've always been able to own art since art has existed and ownership has existed. But NFT has become the sort of, it's starting to be seen as a standard for how you can own art and prove that it is yours. And there's a lot of driving factors behind that. And there's a lot of detriments to using NFT and blockchain to do that. Like, so, and like one of those is definitely going to be the environmental side, but that's a whole big, long conversation that, that touches on, on um, a lot of different issues and a lot of different problems with blockchain specifically right. that I, I want to kind of get to in a, in a minute. Sure. But like, why, what if, what have you, kind of gathered is the driving force behind artists getting into this um, because I do have some sympathy for the comic artists who uh, at least initially were, were mm-hmm. um, drawn to this as a, as a method to make some money. Totally. Well, I think the issue is um, what it does is it places a value on art that's assigned arbitrarily that isn't really relative to anything to do with the work itself or the artist or even the way the art is perceived by anybody. NFT has become when it, when it started, when it first earlier this year, when I was reporting on it um, first uh, with the, uh, I think the first thing I was reporting on was DC's collection of Batman statues. Um, The thing that was really coming up a lot was that it is a way for artists to make money and it's being 
presented to artists who are not necessarily earning a living on their craft as a way to potentially do that or to reach out of, you know, struggling as an artist and into actually making some money on your work, which, I mean, that's a desire that every creator wants, especially in an economy where that is how we value ourselves, how we earn our money. So it's definitely a, I think the thing that drives a lot of people to it is the promise of money. Right. That is just straight up more or less. And it's not always greed. Sometimes it's need because people need money, but especially starting out when NFTs were much more of a novelty, the people that were getting into it were people who were already creating art, who were already part of the community and who were already kind of part of a digital sphere of artists that were creating and selling work. And, you know, um, once the, uh, I think the big, NFT like breakthrough moment was there was uh, that piece by uh, Beeple. Beeple is the yep. name of the artist that went for millions of dollars. And people saw that and were like, oh, well, I can get in on that without realizing that what's actually happening is a more or less a pyramid scheme. I mean, it's, it's, right. a, it's an MLM for yeah. artists. Like as sad as that sounds, what, what NFT offers to artists and especially artists, especially in the beginning, is the opportunity to have an audience that wants your art and that is willing to pay money for it without having to search for that or look for it or put in the pay the dues that a lot of artists have to pay to reach that point, like sitting at tables at conventions and going around to portfolio reviews and constantly posting their art and just looking for markets. So it's very tempting and it's very easy to see like a benefit to that. But there's also, you know, aside from the environmental factor, there's a lot of risk involved in trying to make money on NFT because it is inherently a speculation market. And the speculation is the only thing that drives the value of an NFT. Um, and there are also, there are also ramifications for the larger reality of the art market and art community in the sense that the NFT market mirrors the fine art community um, as a tool for laundering money. I'm so glad we got there already. <laughs> I'm so glad we got there. Cause that, that's like, I, I, I saw this and I'm like, well, you know, real estate, if, if, if I'm a criminal syndicate, which I'm not, um, I'm <laughs> best. I'm at best alone, uh, alone wolf. Um, <laughs> but if I was a criminal syndicate, you know, uh, investing my um, hard-earned stolen money in real estate triggers a lot of scrutiny, right? Investing my hard-earned money in stock triggers a lot of scrutiny from from regulators and, and from authorities. Um, investing in fine art triggered much less scrutiny, and then investing in fine art using a extremely difficult to trace form of fictitious currency. Right. Makes it even easier, right? Yes. I mean, am I way off there? No, you're exactly right. Um, yeah. God, I've got the philosophical questions ready to go. Just- <laughs> Let's get into it. Uh, right. I mean, responding to that real quick to what Jim said, I mean, basically, yeah, I mean, that's really what it comes down to is that transfer of wealth. Um, money, uh, art, art as objects of inherent wealth and value, especially in modern terms for the last 150, 200 years pretty much since the end of the like patronage system that helped a lot of the most well-known fine artists reach their potential. The idea of art has become a way to hoard and store wealth more than a 
And that's not to say that people don't like art or appreciate art. But when you're seeing pieces go for like millions of dollars or a Banksy goes for millions of dollars and then get shredded on the spot, right. that's a gimmick. That's a, that's a thing so that people will look at it and go, wow, that was about the art, not about the millions of dollars. Right. Except, <laughs> except if you're, if you're a, um, you know, if you're an international criminal syndicate, it is about the millions of dollars because you just had a way to clean that million, that, that $2 million. Right. right? Exactly. The, exactly. Shredded. <laughs> well, the authorities look at it and say it's about yeah. the art, not the. Right. So um, I want to, I want to, John, you said you had some questions. Yeah, John, you go ahead. Yeah. Well, I mean, a few observations more. I'm sort of of two minds on this. My, my jury is out uh, on a lot of this idea, but some of this strikes me as just a different form, maybe, or maybe on steroids of what we already do. I mean, when has investing in art not been speculation when you're just talking pure capital, it, 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 it always has been. Um, investing. I mean, this thing mainly sits on the Ethereum blockchain, although other blockchains, it's, it's starting to appear other places. So this thing's on the cusp of really breaking out, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost makes it more like currency speculation, but even yeah. currency speculation is a thing we have. So I'm feeling like this doesn't introduce speculation into art. It just changes the format, changes the setting, and maybe puts it into overdrive. Yes, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, as you just pointed out, it's very true that speculation has driven the value of art. I mean, that's exactly what I was talking about, the idea that there is an art market and that there is value inherent to a piece because of who did it or because of who has previously owned it or where it came from or anything like that, the provenance. Um, there's always speculation inherent in that. And people have always, uh, in, in terms of the modern fine art market, bought art, both that they enjoy and that they want to invest in because they think it could be uh, able to be resold. Or in extreme cases, like Jim and I were just talking about the idea of laundering money because it's a lot easier to pass an object of art that costs, quote unquote, costs millions of dollars between two people as a transaction than to pass those millions of dollars between people without speculation or without, or without uh, scrutiny, I mean. So what NFT does that ramps it into overdrive, just like you said, is that it removes even the need to have a physical object of art for that process. You don't even have to have art anymore. You just have to have the idea that art exists somewhere that you are selling or trading, that you are trading some philosophical concept of something for money. And that's not necessarily new. We've, you know, we've had conceptual economy for a long time, but the difference is that in terms of the value of art, traditionally, there's been a physical object attached to it that is a method of storing and transferring the inherent value that's been placed on that piece by a speculation market. Mm-hmm. So NFT makes it so that you don't even have to have a physical auction house to have that money exchange hands. Are we inherently here uh, getting the uh, uh, the the holy grail of a lot of uh, philosophers, economists going back to Marx here, right? Are we actually (laughs) redefining capital here? I mean, I hope not. And also hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I am an anti-capitalist through and through. So that's a little (laughs) bit of what's driving some of my opinion on this. But, you know, analyzing it from the perspective of someone who lives in the real world and the economy in which we actually live, I think the thing that the, the ideal of cryptocurrency as a way to redefine capital and redefine the idea of what that means is 
philosophically interesting, but I think when you look at it from a standpoint of the actual mechanical applications of it, the environmental costs of Bitcoin and NFT and blockchain technology are totally outsized compared to almost any other method of wealth transfer or even just wealth uh, uh, demarcation. And on top of that, um, they're useless. Can you buy anything with Bitcoin? The only thing you can buy with Bitcoin is Bitcoin. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you can buy drugs and I mean that's great and all, but like you're not that's not <laughs> I mean they're not good drugs, they're internet drugs, right? <laughs> I I don't even know. I'm not buying any Bitcoin drugs as a thing. So like <laughs> but it's not it's not the, the the idea of Bitcoin as currency is I think we're really long way from that actually being a thing because you see people online all the time. And I have this experience talking to people who deal with NFT a lot where they say, well, I made a lot of money on NFT. And I say, okay, show me your bank statement. (laughs) Show me that money coming into your account as money, not as a transfer of Bitcoin between two Bitcoins that don't actually have any value outside of the theoretical concept that they exist. Oh, sure. It's a, it's like a shadow little economy there that now the shadow of art, the specter of art, not even the art is becoming currency in this strange universe too. It's um, And uh, just to kind of jump in right on that point is like, uh, George, how much of this, how much of the comic world's involvement in NFTs do you think we can credit to the shift to digital? Because in, you know, in back in, back in my day, if I'm going to be a grumpy old man about it for a second, like they used to have to draw on, you know, Bristol board. Um, They would put the pages on Bristol board. They would do the sketch in front of you at the con. We've had two years, a year and a half, the better part of a year and a half without comic book conventions. And we've had going back, well, much longer than that. We've had people working digital first um, in, in comic art production, which takes away a stream of income for them. I mean, they're not, if they're not drawing the original art, if they're drawing the original art on Mm -hmm. um, a tablet, then anything that's reproduced from uh, with that original art on it is just a print. Right. Right. I think you're getting, you're asking some interesting questions here and the answer is kind of very, I think it's going to be a little surprising to you, at least in terms of my understanding of it and my observation of it, because it's different on both sides. On the creative side, I think the idea of digital is definitely drawing or driving NFT um, and the NFT market for a lot of creators. Because if you look at, um, well, just for starters, it's a lot easier to create digital art. There's no requirement of materials. There's no requirement of, uh, I'm a digital artist myself. And having transferred to that, I can tell you that I use a lot less paper and ink and pencils and even just straight up man hours creating art to do that. So there's a little bit of um, an efficiency uh, increase there that lets people turn out pieces faster. So that's why on some level you see like lower end artists I mean, I guess that's the, I don't want to say that. I want to say there is a trend among NFTs to see art that is seen as tacky or um, like just kind of ugly or trashy, like the, you know, burnt out JPEGs and stuff. And those are definitely created mass produced digitally in order to um, turn out as many NFTs and create as many potential revenue streams as possible for comic artists. uh, I think there is a, 
challenge among people who want to make money on original art because like you pointed out people aren't selling original pages as much anymore and digital printouts are you know anybody can have them they're it's really not like the actual actual quote-unquote art at the same time uh so i think i think it is some of that like wanting to to add that revenue stream back I think a lot of those artists that are really working at the highest end that have the highest demand for what their pages and stuff would be, aren't really hurting for money because they're also able to do more private commissions or just more actual published work in general by working digitally. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not to say that all comic artists, especially digital artists are well-paid. Everyone in the industry could use um, a lot better compensation for their creative talents. But uh, I think on the buyer side, that's what's really driving it in a lot of ways because it's buyers, the irony of people who are heavily invested in NFT and buying NFT and wanting comic related NFT that I've observed is that there are a lot of the same people who despise digital comics. They don't want any digital comics. They want to buy physical paper comics and have them in their hands, uh, own them. And the reason why comes down again to speculation. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can tell we're all of an age where we experienced, at least on some level, the 90s speculation boom of comics. Like, I would be surprised if at least one of the three of us wasn't lined up at a comic store to buy, you know, multiple copies of The Death of Superman or something (laughs) like that. That was the very one, I was thinking. You know, (laughs) everybody was going to go to college on the back of that one. (laughs) Everybody's got millions of dollars worth of long boxes of The Death of Superman now. And so, like, there is a part of comic book culture that's inherently tied to that. And that's inherently tied to the idea of buying, slabbing, and reselling valuable comics And the people who are deeply into that are also the people to whom NFT is really appealing, which is really interesting to me because like, I like digital comics. I like, I mean, I, if you guys are anything like me and you've been collecting a long time, you know, at one point I had dozens of long boxes that I had to just pare down. And it's really nice to have the, not just the smaller physical footprint, but the environmental impact and still get to read the comics I understand there's a much bigger conversation around digital comics and like comic shops and, you know, the, the, the comic book selling market, but a lot of what's driving all of that comes down to the speculation, you know, it's the variant covers and the, um, you know, harder to find comics that people want to buy own and resell. And the people who are doing that are also really into NFT. And yeah. so I think especially as we've gone on, you've probably noticed that less and less comic artists are doing NFT stuff because partially it's just not that popular. And also it's, it's not as lucrative as you might think for some of the higher end artists because they have a harder bridge to, you know, they they have a harder time. They're not going to be turning out as many NFT pieces. They're not going to be finding the same speculative audience it's 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 a really interesting dynamic among between comic artists and like the growing growing uh population of digital nft artists are they so get, what's are, the appeal for you know a company to get into this what's the appeal for dc money uh people when they buy the dc statues dc makes plenty of money i mean they, it's all it's that's the thing about like digital products like that is that they're essentially for the most part, all profit. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of oversimplifying in the sense that there are costs to hosting servers and having, you know, 
digital platforms and that sort of thing. But in terms of the actual product itself, the end product of say a digital Batman statue, you're not providing anything physical to a customer. There's no physical cost of manufacture. There's no physical shipping costs. There's no cost of warehousing or selling it anywhere. And so ultimately it's just a profit driver. It's just something that they can say, people will buy this and it costs us very little, especially because um, I believe most of like Warner brothers, especially their NFTs are there's two kinds of, of NFT blockchains. There's proof of work and proof of stake. And those constitute different things. Proof of work is the more environmentally heavy process because it requires uh, the proof that all the computers have been linked and the algorithms have been processed. And that is what creates the proof that the NFT or the uh, digital token is what it says it is. Then proof of stake, which is what I believe Warner Brothers uses, is this idea. It still uses environmental costs because it's still to create the digital token, but it requires a much smaller network because they're essentially saying, uh, we're Warner Brothers and we're not going to lie to you. You can trust us that this NFT is worth something. <laughs> which, is, which undermines the entire concept of uh, cryptocurrency because the cryptocurrency's value is supposed to exist separate and a part of any trust or verification issues or any trust issues. It's supposed to be verifiable. Therefore you don't need to worry about trusting something. Right. Right. I mean, I think that's why proof of proof of stake is a much smaller, much it's not used nearly as widely as proof of work. And I think there's another term that's similar to proof of work, but it's slightly different. Uh, and I can't call it to mind right now, but um, proof of stake is much less common because of that, because you have to have trust and like the small, NFT mentors that are coming up all the time and disappearing are not, they don't have any, any way to prove that they don't have shareholders. They don't have, you know, a global presence. So it's theoretically the idea of like Warner brothers using something like proof of stake is to say like, well, now you have a stake in Warner brothers because you've invested in us somehow. And that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Interesting. Okay. So that my understanding of the difference too is proof of work when they want to make a change to the, the ledger, they basically, they, they set off a chain reaction where a bunch of computers play a you know, race to complete uh, busy work and whoever, whichever computer finishes it first is the one that gets the opportunity to change the ledger. Whereas right. proof of stake is the computer that has the, has the most trusted reputation within the network is the one that gets first crack at changing the, the ledger. And right. That, that, so you're instead of having you know 15 million computers all trying to play one giant game of tic tac toe against each other, um, you know you 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 just go to one computer and say, hey, you're going to fix this, and that's right. that's where the difference in environmental costs. Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. I'm, so I'm looking at the one of the Marvel drops for Alligator Loki, um, <laughs> and they are selling animated gifts of Alligator Loki for one hundred dollars a pop. Can you right click uh, it? Like that's my question. You know, <laughs> right. I, I am literally. I have just saved yeah. the image. I just stole that NFT. Yeah, I'm pushing back on on gifts. By the way, it's gifs. But <laughs> no, you're wrong. I'm going to leave this podcast. <laughs> I, there, it is a hard G. I don't care what the accepted international standard is. What the guy who GIF, made it says. GIF is peanut butter. GIF is the, the animated thing. The animated file type. We're not we're not having this discussion in front of the company. 
the linguist. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not going to argue in front. Too of late. Me, okay. Too late. <laughs> and it's not an argument. You're just wrong. I'm not wrong. You are wrong. Okay. That's anyway. Um, so George, yeah, so what is it? Like, George, so is it, it GIF like, or GIF? You're not going to like my answer, John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to say it's GIF, and I'll tell you why. Because it stands for Graphics Interchange Format. Thank and so you. when we pronounce graphics, I hear the hard G. I understand the uh, the official pronunciation, though. So we'll, we'll, we'll just have to... You guys are rebels. On that. That's so, right. So, you know what, man? I'm a maverick. I'm a... I'm a Yep. That's why that's why we had you on. Um, mostly because you'll agree with me. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm looking at this, so at this gif of alligator oh. Loki, they're dr- they're selling thirty four hundred of them for a hundred dollars a pop. Yeah, thirty five hundred dollars that means nothing. That cost them nothing. Nope, it's three point four million dollars. Three point four million. What oh, how many did you say? Thirty four hundred. Oh, they're selling for hundred dollars each. I thought you said yeah. they're selling thirty four for a hundred dollars each. No, they're selling oh, thirty four hundred of them for a hundred dollars <laughs> a piece. That's three and a half million dollars. The labor cost probably like sixty five cents. Honestly, right? right? Like that, this is this was a hundred percent a staff artist or a staff graphics person um, at Marvel Studios. See that's that had this point. line around that you are bringing up right there is that a lot of the NFT that's being created. Also that money is not going to the creators. It's going to the people who own the property that it's based on, especially for these larger NFTs, like, you know, owned by Warner brothers, the Marvel NFTs and that sort of thing. And, you know, like, like we just experienced, you right click that and downloaded the, the, the GIF, the GIF, the, (laughs) the image. (laughs) Well done. uh, (laughs) And uh, you, uh, you saved it and it's there on your computer to look at anytime you want to access it. You could probably put it on your phone. You could probably put it on Twitter or give it to anyone you want. And that's the thing is that that image has no value, whether it's tied to an NFT or not. The NFT itself is what theoretically has value, which is why so much of the quote unquote art that's tied to NFTs is like procedurally generated, like bitmaps and stuff like that. And just like slightly altered JPEGs because it's essentially a way to get into Bitcoin without getting into bitcoin like it's a way to become a small business crypto person without having to go through the rigmarole of all of that and that's kind of also where the pyramid scheme thing comes in because essentially what happens is you have these small um nft companies that come up or they and they offer you know you a market and they offer you a chance to sell your art and you may or may not sell anything but you're going to have to pay to have it added to their blockchain so a lot of places charge to turn art into NFTs and then, excuse me, you can theoretically make your money on selling the art, make more money on selling the art. But how many artists are minting NFTs that don't sell? How many artists are minting dozens and dozens of NFTs on the promise of a market that they're waiting for? Meanwhile, what's actually happening is that they're just funneling money to the people who are going to then turn over the certificates. Um, so I think now we gotta now we have to address the giant um, elephant shaped cloud of smog in the room, um, <laughs> the environmental impact of NFTs and and the environmental impact is tied up in the environmental impact of uh, crypto in general, right, George? Yeah, definitely. I mean, NFT is a different type of uh, cryptocurrency, more or less. It's you know the idea. It's the idea of a token rather than a a piece of currency. So it's almost like turning into an uh, turning and creating an nft uh, or sorry creating a crypto barter system in a way but it's it's more or less yes i mean it's definitely just a different type of cryptocurrency speculation 
yeah. at the end of the day. And that's why the images tied to the NFTs don't actually make much difference. Why you can just take them, you know? <laughs> yep. So, and, and the, then, and the, the environmental impact in the cryptocurrency comes from the, the work being done by these computers, right? It's not, it, 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 the, the environmental costs are generated by the energy usage of these massive banks of computers uh, that are being used, in, especially in proof of work, to um, do the calculations and the, and the, the busy work required to uh, change the ledger. And um, in places where that power is particularly dirty, that's really, really bad for the environment. Am I way off base? Or am I d- d- no, I think you're definitely. I think you're definitely on the mark with that. Okay. Um, so, broadly speaking, uh, you know, there's there is some kind of debate as to the merits of NFTs as a concept, but the execution is really where um, the rubber meets the road and catches fire in this case um, and emits large clouds of smoke into the atmosphere. Um, these blockchains are are using enormous amounts of dirty power for calculations that are not really necessary to perform redundant processes that could be done just about any other way, right? Yeah, I mean, what it really comes down to, like you said, is that what's what, what's different about NFT versus you know any other form of art speculation, like John was bringing up earlier. It, the idea of art speculation isn't new. And NFT does add a different layer to that. And we can kind of philosophically talk about the ramification for artists and for the art community. But ultimately, you're very right that the real issue and the biggest problem with it is the environmental cost. And the environmental cost is avoidable because nothing that's being created with NFT and nothing that's being, none of the ways it's being used are sufficient to supplant or necessary to supplant the ways we already have of buying and selling art or creating art or even verifying its ownership. So ultimately what it is, is it's environmental process that is, like you said, dirty and intensive and ultimately kind of superfluous. And the part that really stings when people start getting into NFT and stuff is that environmental cost. Like, yeah, I think they're tacky and I think they're goofy and I'm not that into the idea because I don't care about speculating on it. But the idea that like someone like David Lynch would like make NFT movies or something would not offend me as much if there were not the environmental impact tied to that, that is necessarily much larger and different than almost any other form of delivering that media. Well, yeah. And uh, you know, the, Folks who would argue would say, well, this is a very, very small piece of it, but the, the cork's off the bottle now. So it's, it's the sky's the limit, especially if this becomes some sort of model for, you know, other IP or any, all kinds of things. So George is, so how, what's the, what's the difference between proof of work and proof of stake in terms of environmental impact? You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't actually have a super nuanced understanding of being able to tell you the uh, like the measurements and stuff like that. There are definitely articles that are going to be a lot more scientifically minded on that because the truth is I don't actually know the specifics because it's kind of hard to pin down unless you actually have the understanding to interpret the charts and the, the, uh, the data 
as it's presented in a raw way. I've actually researched that when I was researching um, the difference between proof of stake and proof of work. I was trying to find out what is the difference and how significant is the difference in proof of stake versus proof of work. And something I've discovered is that the people who are doing proof of stake don't want you to know (laughs) what the difference is. So they present the data and there's charts and there's graphs. And I'm going to be honest, I'm more, I'm, I'm much more of a lay person on the science side of it. So it's a little harder to interpret. And there's really not a strong indication that I have found of what the difference is as much as the people who are doing proof of stake consistently claiming that it is significantly lower in environmental energy costs and providing sort of nebulous charts and graphs to prove that. I feel like that's a pretty big red flag. It might be. I may be interpreting it wrong. I may be interpreting that through the lens of my own, you know, in a, my own inability to understand the raw data or my bias. But at the same time, it does seem like there would be pretty distinct and significant and very clear ways to state what the difference is between the energy you consume versus the much larger energy consuming uh, blockchain, if that's one of your big selling points. One of the things that I found when I was poking around on, because I, I looked into it when um, Fandom, for example, mm-hmm. uh, DC's Fandom, the big um, online convention, um, or um, you know, basically DC Direct, mm-hmm. um, just happened, and they they said you know everybody who registers was going to get uh, an NFT access to an NFT uh, minted for just for them, and I you know the alarm bells went off, but then I, I saw the proof of stake versus proof of work, and I, I started kicking the tires on it and all i could find was that i think they're i think some proof of stake um systems are also run on ethereum yeah so it's like a second order it's it you know it's maybe using a smaller segment of the ethereum network i'm not you know it's not they don't make it clear they they like you said they seem to be deliberately obscuring this which yeah and that makes me wary of it and that makes me feel like the difference isn't probably that significant at least in terms of when you look at the overall the overall concept of nft and the overall way that it's being proliferated right now most of that is coming through proof of work and not proof of stake because most of the people minting nfts have nothing they don't have a proof of stake uh blockchain to be a part of they don't have um the trusted networks or the reputation to fall back on and so like I think that I don't think most people even are considering that when they're purchasing NFTs or thinking about investing in NFTs. Um, And you have other systems now that are starting to pop up like uh, Adobe announced this week that they're going to have a prepare as NFT button in the new version of Photoshop. And that's (laughs) bizarre. That means that you can click a button on your computer and burn down an acre of the rainforest just to, print out your photoshop of whatever you know and it's that level of ubiquitousness is starting is what's starting to trouble me about it because in the end it's not going to matter if there's more proof of stake or proof of work if the concept of nft becomes the driving factor for how people profit off of art or how they become professional artists uh, how they find an audience that's a much bigger concern in the long run, because in the end, most of the people are not going to be able to run on proof of stake. That's a much lower, a much less common form of blockchain currency. That feels like a really perfect spot to call it a a conversation. 
Um, that was a really outstanding kind of summary of the issues that we're pivoting to now that, that these, this um, form of digital receipt is um, starting to take hold. And it sounded foreboding and ominous, and that is always a good place. It did. It made my it made my uncomfortable <laughs> chuckle from the beginning of the answer feel even worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, George, thank you so 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 much for taking the time to talk with us um, about your reporting and about this super complicated issue. Um, mm-hmm. You want to tell folks where they can find you on the interwebs? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Crypt Trash. And uh, you can see me get real mad at everything on there and probably say a lot more nasty stuff about blockchain than I said on this podcast. Um, <laughs> and all my writing is through uh, Games Radar. I actually work for the Newsarama segment of Games Radar. So if you go to newsarama.com, you'll see my writing on there every day. It is outstanding writing. Uh, oh, I so cannot recommend it highly enough. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. And since you insist on saying uh, GIF, I'm going to say thank you, uh, Gorge. For your <laughs> brutal, for your help. brutal. <laughs> I'll take now, it. They're never coming back now. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'll take it. I'll take it. We'll, we'll make that trade. All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really had a great time talking to y'all, and uh, I look forward to to hearing more from y'all. Have a good one for sure. We'll talk soon. 